Good morning. Good morning. It's like a morning show, like a radio show. <laughs> this is a radio show. It's an internet radio show. Internet radio. Yes. Yeah. Uh, welcome to our internet radio show. I'm your host, <laughs> number one, Mr. Ben. I'm here with Derek Reimer. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I saw somebody tweeting this morning and he was saying, um, not that I look at Twitter very often, but I yeah, that's your problem. Number one, you were on Twitter. <laughs> just this one. This is one time I went on Twitter.com. Oh, sure. And there was yes. this guy and he was tweeting and he said, founders keep asking me when it will stop feeling like they don't want to work on their company anymore. And I had to tell them the truth, which is never. Ooh. And I was like, that does not resonate with me. Hmm. And I don't know if like, I think like we're been kind of lucky and we're having like some success and and all that so i know my experience is completely coloring my response to everything i can't help but be biased by that but i don't ever want to stop so far i haven't like been like we need to stop there have been times where it felt kind of crappy or i was like like stressed about things but overall like doing this thing has been very satisfying and very fun and so i I just like didn't I, i couldn't identify with being like oh man i just always want to stop i just always want to not do this anymore I mean, I come from the other side where like I'm in the slog of trying to trying to figure out what levers can I pull on to advance this ball forward a little bit. And this notion ties in very much with like uh, with my update this week, but where my head was at going into the tiny seed retreat. I wouldn't say that I ever have a strong feeling of like, I don't want to be doing what I'm doing, but I think there's a certain weariness that can come for sure with being in the the pre-escape velocity phase where where you're still still searching for that and it feels like a lot of hard work and it feels like it should be easier and that's where you gotta you gotta have a lot of fortitude to uh to push through that i'm realizing now like thinking back to like when i was trying to make like various thoughtbot products grow and not having success for a long period of time on that and i was like yeah i do want to stop this (laughs) this is this is not satisfying so i think i'm just being naive perhaps so it's so hard to not like oh like let my latest recent experience color everything and just be like isn't this the normal like way everyone feels or like don't i always right. don't i always feel this way mm-hmm. yeah but brains they're faulty i'm genuinely happy for you you know that like <laughs> you son of a <laughs> I bitch don't, i don't mean that in a in a in a negative way more power to you for being for getting to like experience kind of the being in the the one percent of startups that that do get quick velocity so well thank you Appreciate yeah. that. Um, so talk about our weeks. Yeah, we should. It's been uh, Adam. Adam Wathen kept my seat warm while I was, he while did. I was away. Yeah, yeah, well, it had been a while since you know a Canadian had been on the podcast. So <laughs> yeah. by law, yeah, we're a trade agreement with Canada. We have to exactly. Warm. Yes, yes. But our quota has been filled now. Um, so some stuff has been happening in my world. So I've been reading this book, The Great CEO Within. Love it. Big fan of it. I've sort of taken two things from it directly in the last couple of weeks that have been uh, going well. So the first is that he has this advice in there, which is as soon as you find yourself saying something for the second time, write it down. I don't find myself saying things that many times, but I definitely find myself writing them from scratch over and over. As soon as that I like saw that and kind of internalized it, I started realizing I was doing it all the time, particularly around like sales things because there's just like a lot of questions that all the companies have or like there's like setup that needs to be done. And like the other day, someone was like, what's your phone number and your tax ID? And I was like, 
oh, let me just go grab those and put the... Wait a minute. Why isn't there a page I can send someone that has any piece of information they might want about the company? And then like, why isn't there a high, higher level page I can send someone when we start talking about doing a deal that has links to all the things they might want at various phases, like our security docs, our privacy policy, things like that. I'm trying to start thinking of this as almost like a failure, like a cash miss when someone asks me a question that I don't have in a doc somewhere that I can send them. And it has been slowing me down in the near term, of course, because I'm like, Ugh, where should this even live? Should I put it on the pricing page? Should I make a Notion doc? Should I put it on the marketing site? And like, it's taking me longer to respond to any individual person. But I have this growing sense of like, ooh, this is really cool. I'm getting this like corpus of things that I can then like use later on that'll make me more efficient. And it's been feeling really good. That's really cool. And are you thinking about how does this scale beyond just you? Because eventually a lot of these questions will not be directed at you, but will be directed at someone on your team, right? And so I guess that's like the key like knowledge management challenge with a team. It's like where this bit of information lives somewhere, but where does it live? And what's our policy on where we put stuff, right? Totally. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that. But like once this is a fleshed out thing, it's much easier for someone else to take it over. And they, or they can even start by reading it. It's like, hey, you're going to be doing sales. Here are all, all the answers to common questions and our policies on things. And that's, that's awesome. That's a good point. It's funny. Hiring feels like far off in my head. So I don't even think about the, the other people <laughs> aspect. But someday future me might be glad for that. That's definitely something I kind of learned going through Drip because I was the only engineer for so long. And it became really evident when we started bringing on new engineers just how much like tribal knowledge lived in my brain and I could have done a better job documenting stuff. And then we eventually we did that. Like we went through and kind of wrote like some basic, I mean, kind of like concentric circles of documentation, like very high level stuff. Like here's kind of how the code base is organized. We have this area that does this and this area that does this so that a new engineer will at least know where to go start looking and then drill down one layer deeper. And okay, here's a deeper dive on like architectural decisions behind the subsystem. And then, and then further down is like code comments and stuff. But we kind of had to retroactively do that when we were finding like the pain of like an engineer would be on the team for a month. And then and then after a while, like, you know, in a one on one or something, it would come out that like, yeah, I just feel totally lost in this area. Like everyone knows where everything is and I have no clue where to even get started. And it's like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> you lose perspective after when you have all that knowledge in your head. You don't know what other people don't know, you know. Um, right. So. Yeah. I also wonder, um, something I'm starting to find is that uh, some of the things I don't have answers to, like I've been doing like kind of bespoke answers to things. And maybe sometimes that's a strength, like for like, you know, the ability to negotiate something. But I, I think for some of them, it's like, we should just decide what the answer to this is, and then write it down somewhere. And then it, like, I have like less decision fatigue. Or like, if I write my default answer, does it sound good? Like, do I like what my answer is to this? Like, I, I found sometimes writing down like technical docs of like how a thing should work or like does work. It's like, I feel like I'm explaining a thing and that like apologizing for how weird it is. Maybe mm -hmm. I should just go fix the thing. Fix the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. It's like a nice positive pressure on the, mm -hmm. the actual underlying thing you're documenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really fired up about this. And so for two more weeks, I'm going to be really fired up about it. <laughs> <And then laughs> I'm going to go back to my norm. We're kind of related. What has your support burden looked like? Do you guys get a lot of emails from people with questions? Let me pull up our, uh, our doc. So we actually track this in our KPI dashboard that we update at our retros. Wow, we sound like a very big company right now. Uh, last week, there were 92 support conversations. That's fairly high. Like the week before was 60, the week before was 40, the week before was 110. So it varies. Now, some of those are 
if you have a, a bad call on Tuple, like if you get rate of one or two, we pop up a little box, which is like, hey, help us help you. If you can tell us more about what went, what went wrong or if you have any reproduction steps, like we, we can reach out. So some of those are kind of like quick, like, oh yeah, like you just had a bad Wi-Fi connection. We can't really do anything about that. Um, but a good number of them are actually support requests. Um, why, do you, why do you ask? Oh, I'm just wondering, like, because it seems like a lot of that not repeating yourself type of stuff, you know, kind of happens in support. But it is a it's a tricky balance to strike because I've had some I've had recently some support interactions with some high profile companies, I'll say that that have a really good reputation. And I would not expect canned responses and stuff, but like getting some confusing pre um, built responses that feel like uh, missing the mark a little bit. And it just makes me think like that's a really hard that one is a really hard problem to uh, to tackle well, I think. Um, I've had the same experience, and I bet we're talking about the same company. Or I, bet I, I, yeah. I bet I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And yes, so I have this like conflicting feeling where like to me, it's like kind of sad when the founders stop doing support. And like I get why it's also great, and you sh- should do it, and like there's like wins there, but also it's like once someone that really knows what's going on and can fix problems that you find stops doing support it gets worse. It's like, or it's like really hard to not make it worse. I think like maybe if you're really good at it, it's, it's not much worse or maybe that person, maybe you, if you hire someone that's amazing at support, that's they're even better at the support part, but it, it's, I feel like it's hard to match the, like you, like I built this thing. I know how to fix it for you or I can at least tell you what's wrong. So I don't know, it makes me a little bit sad to see that. Yeah. And it's such a, an asset to not be so big where you can still be pretty in the loop on what kind of support questions are coming through and be even if you have like a front line of a front line of defense to to handle the the 80 percent of stuff that 20 percent where like okay this is a little bit beyond what i can answer from my knowledge and maybe you know let's loop in a technical person or one of the founders um you just get you get, keep your finger on the pulse of what is really uh what the customer is experiencing so. totally yeah even though joel is handling almost all the support i still get notified for every request that comes in like i read all of the all the messages at least which feels important to me. So I mentioned that there were two things that I was taking from that book. Uh, the second is that he has a template for giving feedback to other people. And so we did like a kind of like 360 feedback session where, so before the session, Spencer, Joel, and I each wrote up feedback for the other two people. Uh, and for each person said, I like that blank. I wish that blank. That was like the basic template. And so like like a one to five bullets for each of those things. And so we, we all wrote ours up separately. And then at the start of the thing, we threw them all in like a shared doc. And we all read everything and like took a minute to kind of process it. And then we took turns. And so I went first and first I sort of read everything. And then for all the wish that feedbacks, you first read the feedback and then you restate it in your own words and say, do I have that right? So it's like, first, like, make sure you really understand what this person is saying to you. And that feels like skippable, but a couple times, like we made ourselves do it. And like, it was like, actually, no, that's not quite right. And it was like really fascinating to see. Um, like, it was just like, like, I actually watched this happen with Joel. Like Joel read the thing and then was like, starts to sort of answer it. And I was like, actually, can you just like do the thing and like restate the thing? And he did. And Spencer was like, no, that's not really what I meant. Mm. I was like, whoa, like what an interesting moment there. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very interesting way to kind of enter in what could be a very tricky conversation that 
a lot of teams I feel like kind of avoid <laughs> like avoiding mm. the 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 negatives or things you want to see changed or whatever. Yeah, I like that. I like so that yeah. Well, yeah. And so the I'll just finish the process. So then after that, after you've restated it, you s- declare whether or not you accept the feedback. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So it's like you you have the sort of option of like do it, yeah, you know, like am I willing to sort of take this on and and do the thing that you wish I would do. And then after that, if you do accept it, you with the person that gave you feedback co-create some sort of action that you're going to take uh with a due date ideally like okay like you you said you wish i would do this all right how about i do this and i'll have it done by this date and we basically created these like to-do lists sort of together um at the end of the session do you have like an example sure that you could give because i feel like i don't fully know if like are you talking about like i wish we would ship this feature faster or are you talking about like i wish you i wish like you approached this type of problem differently like is it personal feedback about the way someone works or is it about like a specific task they're doing or something like there weren't really guidelines about like what the boundaries of the feedback was um let me see if i can find something that was feedback for me that i can share okay so one piece of feedback i got uh was that one of the people involved (laughs) uh wished i would use the product more with our customers so that i could have a better sense of like what needs to change there so it's like I, I wish that we'd, you would use it more with our customers so we can spot more opportunities for improvement um, and also do some like customer education because sometimes we find people don't know about features we have so i was like okay that's great feedback and first of all like i restated it like do i have it right he said yes and so i said okay cool totally accept that feedback i think that's like totally legit uh so how about we the, the to-do we create co-created was all right we're going to do another one of these feedback sessions in a month so I said, uh, I'll do four calls with customers by the next feedback session. And like, would that address the feedback? Yes, it would. Okay, cool. So there we go. That was basically that for, for most of the things. Some of them were harder to come up with a specific task for after. Because like, sometimes it's like, I have this, like, I don't like this feeling that like, you think this. Or like, sometimes it's just like, there's not like a clear, like, get this done by this date thing. I could see someone saying like, I wish you would review my pull request faster or something like yes, that. Right, exactly. And then, then it would be like, well how do we do we put like a like a um, sla on time or like how do we do that so sometimes yeah. so some of the things we put like um ben will check in with spencer on march 4th and confirm that he feels that i have changed this sort of impression or something so it's not perfect and i think also as we get better at this we'll learn like better way like feedback that we can give that is more loop closable i guess um, or maybe just accept that you can't always get a perfect you know to do with the feedback I was a little scared going into the session. I had that like, just like a little bit of like background anxiety around it. And because I'm me, the thing I was worried about was like other people taking offense to my feedback and not the feedback that I was going to get. Like I'm always worried I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. And so I was like stressed about that, but like everyone took it great. And I think like the overall, the whole session was like very positive. There was this, at least for me, after we finished it, this like sense of like lightness where it was like, the air has been cleared (laughs) the air has been cleared like yeah all the all of the like laundry has been brought out and we've dealt with it and made it like we've acknowledged it and made a plan for it and so it's like if anyone has any lingering resentment it's kind of their fault now it's like okay i feel like we all know everything now and it just felt i felt great it was like a really excellent experience i recommend it so we we're going to do another one and i don't know i'd like to to keep doing this because i think it was super useful Mm-hmm.
And how do you think this practice scales? Do they talk about this in the book at all? Like when you, if you have a large organization, is this like with a manager who has one-on-ones with their people? Is this like a a practice you would do in that, that setting? Yeah. And in fact, his recommended cadence is that this happens every week in the one-on-one, uh, maybe every other week. At each one-on-one, the manager gives feedback to their report and vice versa in, in that format. So, and so like that's, that's supposed to be flowing in all directions all the time. And then also, I think it's also like, like for higher level managers and like the CEO in particular, it's like people should always be giving feedback up to the, that person. So it's like solicit it from the entire company every so often kind of thing, flowing all the way up the chain. Uh, so it's just, yeah, he's like a big believer in the value of capturing this stuff and getting it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I could see why it seems good. Yeah, I think it's it's always good to be deliberate about this kind of stuff. I mean, it's easy for the positive stuff to to just kind of naturally come out, but the it's the the critical stuff or those little nagging things that have a tendency to fester if you're not really deliberate about trying to create a framework for them to to come out, right? Totally, exactly. But also, it doesn't get as much focus, but part of the feedback is positive, right? Like it's sort of half of it. And so that was great too. It's just like it's nice to be appreciated for specific things and know what you're doing that people like and want to do more of it that helps i think make that process feel good where it's not just here's some here's some things you're doing wrong or that people wish you would change it's also like here's where you're you're doing a great job keep it up that doesn't always come out like so explicitly uh so one last thing before i turn it over actually yesterday we pushed the first version of tuple where if you were on a canceled team you can't use it anymore (laughs) okay so that was so, just kind of a, a little loophole that was... We just never really built that feature <laughs> to lock people out. So like if you canceled, it would stop billing you, of course. Yeah. But uh, you could just keep using the app like nothing had changed. <laughs> were the, do you have metrics on how many people were actually doing that? We would look at it every so often and, and people mostly stopped using it when they canceled. Um, in fact, most of the time they probably canceled because they weren't using it. Um, so it, it didn't really, there wasn't like a crazy abuse or anything, but there definitely like were some teams where like they would have six or seven people and then the team would cancel and one person would just keep using it like crazy. Like it was, but it was like, whatever, you know, don't, don't worry about it too much. And so I did a little tweet thread about this because I think it's like, you would assume you need to build this feature like before launch, right? Like, well, you got to lock people out. And I was like, well, I mean, you kind of don't actually. Um, it's fine. And in fact, like maybe it was even better for us because like people were using the app and exposing it to more people. And like, isn't that good? Even if we're not making money off them directly, probably. Um, so it's just, it's it's like another lesson in the, like, even if you think your MVP is very M, uh, there's probably more you can leave out that you're, that you're not even thinking about. Yeah. I was proud of myself for leaving out pretty much all like billing enforcement policies and they're still not in the product. So I, I have like a Heroku data clip that I go and look at that gives me like daily usage stats for all people who are not paying customers. What's their usage level? And it's just a, it's just a simple query with numbers next to customer names. And I look at it daily. And if someone's cro- getting close to their limit, then I email them. And if they've gone over, then I email them, you know. And uh, Yeah, totally. And it completely works, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's like the amount of effort that it would take to like, all right, set up like what's the trigger for when I want to to trigger correspondence with the person and what's the exact copy that I should say. I mean, this gives me a chance to still kind of massage the wording a little bit and try out different things and see what works well. And I think automating too soon is never is never good. Totally. So, yeah, I really like that idea of like automating once it's annoying. I just have had this experience so many times of like assuming, well, we have to make this. And it's like, well, let's just do it manually for a little bit. And then we, we never come back to it or come back to it way later. 
and it's just it's just fine. I did feel a little bit like airing our our dirty laundry on Twitter, where it's like uh, I felt like a little bit of embarrassment. I was like, "Isn't this is kind of ridiculous?" Uh, but you know, I think it was. I think the point was worth making to folks. So, uh, what's going on in your world? Yeah. So let's see. A couple couple of weeks ago now, I um, went on a tiny seed retreat. So part of the program, they had four separate retreats, and I half made it to one of them, and then couldn't make it to MicroConf Europe. So this is my this was my first like full immersive like retreat with the cohort and it was a really it was a really good experience i must say like just a just another reminder that like being with people face to face is so different than being with them in a slack room yeah it was really nice just a good chance to get to know the people better who i've who are my batch mates and um and we had kind of deep dive sessions um each of us got like an hour to hour and a half of time just to like update everyone on like, here's what I'm struggling with right now, or here's what's going well and, you know, and get kind of feedback and advice from people. How many, how many people were there? It was only about half the batch. I think there were five companies there. Well, I wish everyone was there, but it was also kind of nice that, you know, it was a little bit smaller group. So even, even more intimate in that sense. And so, yeah, we, we all had a lot of time kind of mid part of the day for the two core days of the retreat. We were spent on just kind of hot seat sessions i went first so that i can get my get all my stuff out and then like you know just random conversations throughout the day or we went we went on a little sunset cruise and we you know spent time in downtown key west just eating food and going to bars and stuff and like everyone's thinking about each other's problems in a background thread and kind of casually revisiting them as as inspiration strikes so it was a really fun time. It was a really restorative time. I, I will say I came into the retreat feeling just kind of weary and impatient. I think those are the, the two words to classify how I was feeling. And a little bit like just suffering like lack of confidence, especially my level experience, like makes me very, I, I just feel much more cautious and and a little bit suffering a little bit of a confidence hit this time around. It's really a lot of mental game. Like I kind of, I kind of know like, at this stage of startup, what I, the things I should be doing um, are pretty clear, pretty well understood. But like, yeah, I mean, in theory, in theory, like, like it's the outcome is is not clear what's going yeah. to happen. But like, yeah. there, there are best practices on things you should be doing at this stage. Um, mm. okay. You know, yep. and so I think for me, it's a lot of like lay it out on the table. Here's where I'm at with everything in the business. Am I completely off track, or am I? am I doing the right things? And I think hearing from a lot of other founders who are, I would say, I would say nobody in that group is in the like near overnight success category. Like everyone has methodically built up their businesses over time and they're all at different stages. And I think that that is certainly helpful for someone in my, my perspective to just hear from people who are like, yeah, it's you wake up every morning and think about what your next strategy is and how you're going to execute on it. And, and these are, so these are really smart people who have tried a bunch of different things and, and kind of been through, been through the paces. And so it's good to be surrounded by, by people who have that, that kind of perspective. Um, totally. Yep. Yeah. And give you a realistic like yardstick kind of thing. Yep. Yep. I mean, I realize like one of my challenges with Twitter, especially too, is like, I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of really successful people and it can be easy for that to skew in your mind like oh I should this should be moving faster or I should be I should be having way more traction evident right now and it's like that's actually not the usual case and 
it's not doing my mind any good to be like for those to be the dominant voices in my head because then you just feel inadequate all the time you know and it, and then there and then there's the reality so like i think being in some of these smaller groups where where it's like yep this is this is what we've all gone through and we're all going through right now and that's okay you know totally um, I remember when I was like working on my Rails course and launched it and like was looking at my numbers and like I had Adam Wathen's numbers in my head. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is pretty terrible. And I was like, mm-hmm. mm. and I remember telling somebody else, they're like, holy crap, that's amazing. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. This is yep. pretty good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so ultimately came away from that feeling just in a much better place. And I knew what I needed to do, which was I had this payments feature in the hopper ready to ready to start promoting and so i kind of hit the ground running on that um yeah what's going on there i'm curious that pate man you were so good at design i can't believe it <laughs> oh thank but the you. fact that, that you can like do like good engineering and then like make a landing page that looks like that is just that's yeah. a crazy combination of skills well thank you and i'm i'm hoping i can take advantage of that and get reap the rewards of, of that unfair advantage. You know, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind the last uh, couple days. So got back, polished up some things and then started e- by emailing the most activated static kit users. So people who have at least like done one deployment and there's evidence that they've installed static kit on their website. And so there was you know, it was a hypothesis to test, like, let's see if these people are most likely to to jump in and, and try out a new feature. And that group actually didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of response from that group. It was, it was small. It's like a hundred and 150 people. And so that was, that was fine. I was like, okay, um, next, next concentric circle. Let's, let's email more people from the list and talked it through with some of my tiny seed batch mates. And the idea emerged to like, instead of just saying like, hey, this feature is ready to try out, here it is, like it's live, put like like an element of of opting in. So a little bit of scarcity and a little bit of like deliberate, yes, I actually have a use case for this feature and here's what my use case is, I want to use it in front of it. And I think that was a really good move. So I basically, instead of saying like the feature's live now, it's like the feature's in early access and if you want access to it, you can give me your, you know, drop in your email address and briefly describe your use case for it and so that was that was a super good move and so i put that up kind of tweaked the landing page to, to for the call to action be request access with the static form on there where you can submit to request access and emailed that to to the entire registered user list um and then uh, was planning to do like a twitter push maybe the next day after you know after seeing what the response was from that and sometimes, sometimes you can't control when your Twitter uh, promotion happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, unprompted, Guillermo from Zeit posted a very excited tweet. He's kind of a Twitter master. I think he spends a lot of time just kind of, kind of hyping the stuff they're doing on Twitter. So, so it was a very well crafted, um, excited tweet that started to make the rounds very quickly. And so, I just kind of jumped on that and spent the day fielding uh, Twitter responses and emails and all everything that came from that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, what, like, what was the what was the result? Yeah. So, so far, so far, about twenty people have deliberately requested access, and so I feel pretty good about that. I think you know, and everyone kind of has has a what could be a very near term use for the the feature. So, I, I anticipate being able to convert at least a chunk of those. And cool. 
Are you going to let them in? Uh, Yeah. You're going to make them wait? I'm going to let them in. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Letting them in. And so I, yeah, kind of spent, spent yesterday kind of following up with those people. And then um, some other conversations kind of got spurred on by this too. So um, talking with some folks from some, from some strategic companies that were interested in, in what I was doing too. So Hmm, there's some conversations going on there too. Yeah. That sounds business devy. <laughs> a little biz devy for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. So now it's just try to try to onboard these folks specifically onto the feature, get get as much feedback as I can from them and answer questions and keep learning from that. Awesome. That sounds promising. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited to hear how that that all goes. Yeah, for sure. Were you happy with how the feature like turned out? Yeah, I was I was pleased with that I showed some restraint in not over-engineering stuff. So there's some very simple primitives and and I built out some example, like a little example site where I kind of designed some payment forms that that utilize the the new stuff. Kind of have a little a little roadmap of things that I want to add into it, but I'm um I kind of resisted the temptation to to try to build all that stuff because I'm like I think this is good enough to to sh- present it to the world. Um, right, and test the waters. Yep. Yep. Cool. Plus, I imagine as you like start bringing on these people that are expressed interest, they will ask for things. Yes. And so you'll want it. It'll be nice to have the 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 road clear to go build those things for them. Exactly. Yeah. As soon as it started getting the kind of the the response that it did get, I was at that moment very glad that it was had an early access label on it and kind of had that gate in front of it because now like I can just kind of probably the feedback from this from this group of people will be enough to to kind of work through without having to deal with potentially even more people you know poking around with it and stuff so yes totally and then as you like ship those new features to it or the new, those new changes you can announce it kind of you have a good excuse to get in touch with people again yeah exactly, exactly. Like, v2 is here or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's cool yeah like it. nice man that sounds yeah. very good yeah so i will i will keep uh keep updating on how that's going you should. We should do it on a podcast so people can hear it. I think that's a great idea. Instead of just you and me talking where no one can hear us like we are right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, for no reason at all, do you want to talk about notes of the show? <laughs> yes. Notes of the show, which will maybe someday exist, can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for not listening to us. <laughs> we won't see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye to no one, except for Derek. <laughs> Goodbye.